Now, Damo, mm. as lockdowns kept us trapped in the deep, dark folds of the internet for most of the year. The abyss. Do you know what the most expensive artwork sold at auction in the year 2020 was? Was it a Basquiat? No, it wasn't no. Jean someone Basquiat. Jean Muckle. Um, oh, it would be... No, I don't know. Let me give you a clue. It's from the collection of collector Hans Rasmus Astrup. Oh, and it sold at Sotheby's for $84.6 million. It's not that painting of Mick McGuan spilling the mark <laughs> against West Coast that hung in the AFL headquarters that was stolen and then returned via the football show, the footy show in 95? <laughs> no? No, not that one. And it's, nor is okay. it a, um, uh, a Ruhu Batheris. <laughs> okay. It's an artwork no. called Triptych 1986-7 by Francis Bacon. Now indulge me. It features Francis a, Bacon. Fran, yeah, Frank Bacon. It features a single figure in each of the three panels. In the first, a man donning a grey suit and top hat based on an image of Woodrow Wilson after signing the Treaty of Versailles in 1919. President. The second is meant to represent the abstracted nude body of Bacon's then partner, John Edwards. Mm. The third canvas depicts a sheet of paper that appears to be stained with blood in reference to the 1940 assassination of political dissident Leon Trotsky. Right. Now, do we know what a triptych is? Uh, you've described it. It's a three-layered cake, three-layered three artwork, three-piece artwork. It connected. is. It's an artwork in uh, three panels or three, three pieces. Panels. Yep, right. And as we know at Pie Hard, we are nothing if not connoisseurs of oh. fine art demo. Big, you, big time. Big you know time. that more yep. than most. From mm. Bacon to Betheris, we keep our antennas tuned for any new big-ticket releases across the art world. Mm. And whether it be Krug at the Uffizi or mm. Melbourne Bitter at Utopian Slumps when it was in mm. Collingwood, yep. boy, do we love an exhibition opening. <laughs> yes, spilling out onto the street, wine in hand, yeah, absolutely. I'm hoping there's one coming up in about 10, 10 days to two weeks, Demo, because this week... What have you got? As we reveled in the afterglow, my mind turned to one thing. Could we be on the verge of a rare Collingwood triptych? <laughs> That's right. A transcendent work of art in three parts. Essendon on Anzac Day. Tick. Oh. Carlton at the G. Tick. Tick. Dare I say it. Melbourne on Queen's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Priceless. I love it. I love it. Oh, geez. It's ta- oh. This would have um, Francis Bacon stirring in his, uh, in his catacomb. I think. Catacomb. It's 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 set up, isn't it? It's yeah. set up. It's oh boy, like is it? yeah. It's kind of it's kind of the year of the underdog giant killer, and uh, we've got form against the demons, don't we? We're the only well, team last year to beat them until Fremantle won on the weekend. I think mm. we were the last team to beat them. Mm, that's Which, right. That's right. And we've now, got this form is, over like decades. I think it's tantalising, isn't it? So it's Queen's birthday. So that's in a couple of weeks' time. It's on a Monday. Mm. Um. Wow, trip titch. Mm. Fingers crossed. Mm. I don't want to jinx it. I think I already have. But if we, like in any season mm. where there's low expectations, mm. if you are able to take home one, two, dare I say three of those three fixtures oh, against the Dons, Carlton, Melbourne, I mean, it doesn't almost doesn't matter what happens the rest of the season if you miss finals. If you have managed the trip titch, Mm-hmm. You go into summer just singing. 
skipping. Sets itself up for a um, the club's first NFT release, doesn't it? The trip titch, uh, non-fudgeable token of the <laughs> maybe a, a key moment from all three games. This is assuming we get up over the demons. Oh, we've still got uh, to do that. The um, we've still yeah, got to do that. The, the, the trip titch is it. Mm, the pie hard NFT, but well, look, it's 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 a tantalizing prospect. I love the correlation between art and Collingwood because Collingwood is it's an art form at the moment. The way Craig McRae has that team up and about, and uh, I tell you what, we're going to dive into the Carlton game. This is uh, this is a rare a rare outing for Pie Hard where we um, salivate over a game. Oh. Normally, we leave that to the other guys that do it really well. Spot but on. Hey, Damon. we're going to tip the hat, Collingwood. Let's go. If you're listening, I'm sure you are. You've exceeded our expectations. We're loving the big game hustle. Keep it up because like a pubescent boy lost in the 19th century wing of the Louvre, everywhere I look are scenes of great and historic triumph, along with abundant, holy, glorious tits. Looking at Collingwood today, it's hard to imagine that this was one of the toughest suburbs in Melbourne. I have a magpie tattooed in a certain spot. I wouldn't say it's the biggest magpie getting around. Out of control brawl outside a Collingwood pub. 60 years ago, it was lined with boot factories. As gritty, grotty suburbs in prime locations turned into trendy hotspots. Bob's had five bounces, nearly get another one. He's the smartest guy on the team. Because we don't have too many to pick from. You've got to go back to Billy Graham at the MCG for an American to dominate like this. The bubbles bursting three decades of grand final wobbles. I still can't believe it. I can. Oh. A weekend order by the club of 288,000 cans to be consumed. More comfortable in myself. It's as close as you'll get to greatness, your peanut. Shut up. Another week, another win, another pie hard. Welcome, everybody. Uh, welcome, Alex, uh, to the pod this week. Pumped to be here. Jeez, it's. It's a great one, isn't it? So we're, tales are up. Mm. We're just talking, talking off mic. It feels like we've just uh, downed a uh, a no sugar coke, mm. and we've got that uh, we've got that um, oh, that invigoration. It's 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 bubbling over. Speaking of stimulants, mm. it reminds mm. me like this is one of those weeks where I end up watching all of the football shows, and mm. it reminds me a little bit of you know when you go to a party, um, a big night out, and you end up kicking on. And then yeah. you just don't want the party you end, so you keep on imbibing late into the morning mm. uh, and, you know, potentially too many beers, some shots come out, maybe some other extracurriculars if you're that way inclined. But you can never actually relive the original high, but you just want to keep no. <laughs> reaching chasing for the, it. Chasing the dragon, and chasing every, the sun. Every yeah. footy show I watch, it's mm. like mm. it's not quite reliving the joy of beating Carlton on Sunday. No. But I just no. want a little taste of that. It was extraordinary, wasn't it? We'll get we'll get into it, but just that uh, I was at the game and the last five minutes mm. up there in the stands, real genuine heart in mouth stuff, oh, like vomitous, if defibrillator esque mm. football. Uh, MCG back to its best, eighty thousand Sunday dying light. You know, nice balmy winter. Was it winter? No, autumn. Felt like winter day but. against the against the old enemy, and um, you know a game that we thought we'd go okay at, but but you know came up against a look a rampaging Carlton, and we, we said this before on Pyhard that, that this was never about four points. This mm. was always about bringing Carlton crashing back down to earth like a <laughs> yep. fiery zeppelin 
um, oh, the humanity style. And, geez, didn't we do that with aplomb? And the fact that they nearly pipped us in the end was even more glorious because it just it lent itself, uh, you know, an extra air of, um, you know, excitement and anticipation and uh, disappointment. Yeah, there well, it's a knife edge, isn't it? On the one hand, you end up having this wonderful outing where, you know, you've beaten the old enemy, but the, the whole vibe of the MCG is back to life. But it could very easily, if they did, if Silvani kicks that last goal, it could actually just be a disgusting day at the football. And mm. it's yeah. such a gulf between those two experiences, but we, we're mm. on the right end of it. It's great to, have to face a Carlton, which was highly touted, I thought, said mm. earlier in the season in the pod that a strong Carlton's good for football, I think was a blasphemy. But I think we saw it. Like we actually, I reckon, trumped a lot of, a lot of the rest of the season, a lot of the other clubs that claim to be big clubs with mm. just the nature and the bigness of the spectacle. Yeah, there was lots, lots in that game, and we'll unpack it in a second. But I did like hearing a, a, the the old chant of Collingwood again ring mm. out. It was it was very premature for anyone that was at the game. It started way too early, and um, I think Carlton kicked the next two as soon as it happened. But it was beautiful to hear it back and, and ringing out through the MCG. And for those listening, Pie Hard is Collingwood's other spiritual home where the podcast connecting the worlds of Collingwood and culture we bring you the hidden story strange beauty and offbeat culture of the pies and beyond and occasionally we talk about a football game and that's exactly what we're going to do now in our segment game in a movie it's where we compare the previous round's game to the plot of a Hollywood film Mm. don't know don't know what we're talking about Alex take it away well look there's four categories in game in a movie we have first of all the hero the hero for the Carlton game, um, look, I'm not breaking any new ground here. It's probably he's put together a two- or three-week resume to become mm. the hero. It's Ollie Henry. Mm. Now, the thing about Ollie's um, ascension to hero status is the obvious thing is his accuracy. He's mm. kicking goals. But what I thought got missed a bit in the Bulldogs game uh, when he was missing everything was the fact that he was getting the pill on such a regular basis and like he's Mm. he seems to have that natural footy ability to be in the right place at the right time and i think it's come to fruition obviously against Fremantle as the medi sub and now from strength to strength loving the way he Mm. his athletic dare i say gazelle-like qualities his marking of the ball at the highest point which i think Mm. really stands out um you can just see glimpses of the kind of player He's going to become, but also he's a hero because he's doing. He's just doing some other little confidence-inspiring things. I saw him give a "Don't argue" in the pocket at one stage, which didn't quite work out, but just <laughs> just like building confidence for a second-year mm. player. Boy, is he on track! He also did a nifty handball over the top to to Goey for a goal. So, look, hero Henry. The second category is villain, of course. Um, one of our favorite categories this week. I'm going with none other than the the full-strength Coke. Swinging mm. um, <laughs> opposition coach Michael Voss, and uh, the reason he's a villain, I think, just because watching the replay on the telecast, the contrast between him and McRae is really striking. Like Voss was kind of up in the box; he looked very alone, stewing in his own frustration, almost like red-eyed. Mm. I think he's he's like put the coke under the under the um, the bench so it's not as visible on TV, but he's clearly just like pumping sugar into his veins. And you've got McRae, mm. this nurturing father-like figure on the boundary line who's mm. like encouraging and cajoling and, and helping his players. And just a big contrast between those guys. And 
I've always kind of disliked Ross, to be honest. Um, he's obviously got a legendary playing resume. Um, but I've certainly wished um, all kinds of um, all kinds of uh, poor performance on him um, since he got to Carlton. But um, look, hasn't been hasn't been the way. They've actually done pretty well. But um, I think the contrast between the two. I do wonder whether they're actually uh, whether they actually are a close mates. So they seem like very different characters. But perhaps it takes all sorts to um, you know to to make up premiership team. Back in the day, yeah, I, I was I was going to make mention of that. I, they just come across as two individuals that, in everyday life, would really be polar opposites. Mm. Um, the real alpha, sort of red mist in the eye, um, sports head Voss versus mm. the the svelte teacher, mm. sort of um, you know shepherding shepherd, if you will, with the flock, the clergyman mm. in McRae, um, you know, taking clergyman much, very. Very much a back, very much a back kind of a back, back room role in 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 just sort of assisting and helping these young men. See, so Danaher um, was the reverend mm. over at Melbourne, wasn't he? Known as the reverend, maybe he uh, was. We could start to promulgate the idea of uh, McRae as the clergyman, or the clergy, mm. or the pope. Why not the pope? Um, yeah, the pre the priest and the exorcist. You know, like the you know because the Collingwood Polo does have that sort of, um, you know. Neck like, like, yeah, yeah, sort of black, black robe type vibe, but oh, and the, the amount of sins you know in the cloisters mm. of our history just mind boggling. Did you, did you hear about the, did you hear the, 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 I always watch the, um, I don't tend to watch replays, but I tend to mm. always watch the coaches, um, what do you call it? The coaches' press conference at the end of yeah, the day, yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched both of them, it was part of that. Drip mm. feed of trying to keep oh, the party it? alive. I watched Voss Straight one first, and then the McRae. Just to oh, just get a little bit of that um, the happy juice, yeah, during a slow Monday. And then there was that talk of the, the bet, this kind of side bet. Um, yeah, of the meal, dinner. Yeah, the, the winner has to take them out for dinner. And where um, would where would Voss take McRae and vice versa? Voss would be a lobster cave <laughs> guy, I reckon, down at Moore Yalik. Where is it? Bo Morris, yeah, um, Ferg you know, Burger, Ferg, you think? Ferg Burger, yeah, big Ferg Burger <laughs> with a, you know, or the or the steak with the prawns dumped on oh, top, oh yeah, surf and surf, turf. Now yeah. McRae is going to be, you know, he's, I, I think he's going to be Italian. He's going to be somewhere with, um, you know, some freshly cooked pasta, maybe some red wine, yeah, um, maybe some anchovy toast, which is all the rage in Melbourne. Yeah, anchovy toast, yeah. Anchovy okay. toast, it's, you know, you can't kind of escape it at the moment. So, nice, yeah. yeah, maybe maybe the top end of Collins Street, mm. you know, in front of Parliament, you know. Mm. Classy man. Move up to um, maybe have a, a cigar at Siglo afterwards. Siglo, but, yeah. yeah, look, we'll, we'll see. We'll find out. We'll we'll, mm. we'll inquire with the um, with our connections at the club and well, get back to you guys. If he gets the triptych and it sells for as much as I would expect it to, <laughs> he'll definitely be doing <laughs> the cigar at Siglo. Through the roof. Love scene. Mm. We love a love mm. scene. Um, oh, how'd you pick this one? This cute? one's very not um, not sexual again. We're just going with mm. the, the familial love. But um, in the telecast, um, and again, you know, watching the replay, uh, reliving some of these these nice cutaways, you get you get a bit of context. You know, that you weren't able to see at the ground. We had I don't know whether you saw the replay. We had um, the cameras hand to one Nathan Buckley in the stands. Okay, not, nothing to write home about. But very much as a um, just a supporter, um, and not in the media box, not 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 in the media, media in the, in the stand, 
sitting, yep. you know, in bay, whatever. And mm. next to him, old man Buckley, his dad. Oh, the old man. Yeah, and I, it was really, um, it was surprisingly heartwarming. Uh, it actually yeah. felt, I mean, there's a few things in it, but, you know, his dad's a really gruff character and Bucks is. <laughs> yeah, he's a big dude. And I think that he, his dad pushed Bucks really hard, which worked out great for us, but I'm not sure whether he was, wasn't a <laughs> bit of a tennis dad. You know, I think he was. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Bucks has made mention of him being a Vietnam War vet and that potentially potentially mm-hmm. that trauma making him a complicated character at times, sure. a complicated father, and I, I kind of feel that from afar. But seeing them together was heartwarming. The The old man was like garbed in heaps of Collingwood paraphernalia. So I was like, oh, was he? he and Bucks, I don't know whether he had any no. um, Collingwood stuff on, but it felt like closure. It felt like closure to the Buckley era because it, I had this realisation that no one's going to tell Nathan Buckley that he's not a Collingwood supporter until he gets another senior coach gig. But mm. that guy has done so much for our club that he deserves a lifetime of being a heart and soul supporter in much the same way that Eddie Maguire will always be a Collingwood man, obviously. But seeing him at the footy with his dad, it was kind of like returning to the infancy of, you know, little boy at the footy with the old man and it was just a heartwarming moment, a love scene, if you will. Yeah, there's nothing like, you know, going to the football with your old man or father figure mm. or mother and um, and watching a game together. And um, the key thing that just stood out for me is Nathan's father regaled in the Collingwood garb, mm. which, um, you know, you'd you know, it'd be fine if they didn't, you know, if they just went as, as neutrals and didn't didn't draw attention. But, you know, as a scarf carrying, I'm assuming it was a scarf or a hat or a beanie, mm. uh, carrying supporters of the club. It's just nice to – it must be nice to be a legend of the club like that and just sit down and watch a game. And can you imagine Buckley couldn't get up and urinate without, you know, 150 rabid Collingwood <laughs> yeah. fans. He's got to know, hold coming, it in. He's got to hold coming, it in. Coming up to him, yeah, just no drinking, no drinking. Yeah, selfies at the urinal. Selfies and signatures and stuff like that. Um, I love it. I did actually, I didn't know it was connected, but I did see a photo of Nathan Buckley on socials and I think he maybe took it on Instagram. This, I'm assuming, is connected. And um, it was a really, I don't know if you saw this, but no. it was a great photo of him in the stands, mm. so I, there was no context of him with his father, but in the row in front of him, there was an old dude with a um, number five on the back of his old Spices paper jumper. Right. That's and I nice. think he took a sneaky photo. And I mean, it's just, you know, it's full circle stuff. We love it. That is nice. I'm picturing Nathan like cheekily signing the guy's back, getting an elbow mm. on the head. Yeah, yeah, just, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, the old man <laughs> putting him in a, in a chicken wing tackle. Um, so final what have we got? Cat- a plot twist. Is final a plot twist. What are we up to? Is the twist, and this one could almost double as a uh, a blasphemy. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go there. Um, no. The song goes for about nine minutes. It's interesting what's happened uh, with young uh, Jared Wade, the bearded barista who's in mm. charge of our, um, you know, health down there at the club, mm. and mm. Um, we've obviously bemoaned for many years the fact that we tend to get like nine times the amount of in, uh, injuries than any other club, which has been terrible, especially through those Buckley campaigns. Mm. And I've got to say, this the twist is the injuries are working for us. And without going too deep into this one, all you have to do is look at Cox, um, who I thought played his best role game of seen, we've seen for a very long time. It's not about 
trying to rediscover the 2018 prelim for Cox, I don't think. It's just being able to clunk some contested marks at either side of the ground to relieve some pressure and kick one goal is the perfect mm. role game for him. Darcy Cameron's blossomed, obviously, with ruck duties, and I, I, I do rate Cameron as well, and I think that he's getting such important exposure in that part of the ground. And the third one, which I loved, and the twist, because I didn't think he was going to make it, to be honest. I thought that he was just a tough, hardworking VFL dude, is Nathan Murphy. Mm. And Murphy, his game, he since he's slotted into defence, um, the expensive Madgen, who's obviously out injured, he's bringing his kind of uh, gritty, I don't care if I get my head caved in, brave mm. act to the fore in that back line. And he looks like he's actually on the verge of carving out a career, which I couldn't have said for him at any other stage. So to see these blokes kind of blossom because of injuries, mm. and, and dare I say maybe this is the blasphemy, and dare I say, I say, dare I say about five times already in this mm. pod. Mm. Maybe it's good for Grundy to have a holiday. Yeah. I know he's not. Yeah. He's probably not allowed to like leave the country because it'd be like some kind of media furor, but mm. I don't mind the idea of Grundy having a rest. Like I think that Grundy's about to enter the third the third panel of his triptych that is his mm. career, which is third which, trimester. Which is meant to the third trimester. He's going to give birth to um mm. But I think that uh, in this in this third part of his career is when he needs to be one of our senior veteran players in a premiership side. So mm. to have a little breather, a rest, rest his body, rest his mind, do some graph, you know, some extracurriculars, get through some uni assignments, just breathe, Brody, mm. breathe, have some time off mm. and breathe. I don't think it's the worst thing for him or the club. Go to, go do the uh, Inca Trail, Machu Picchu, mm. go expand the mind, Mount Kilimanjaro. I think it's a great idea. Mm. Look, it's a bit to, a bit to unta- uh, un- unpack with a twist. I'll say the Jared guy, because we did, we did sort of have our frustrations with him, I mean, a couple of weeks ago when our injury list sort of started looking really bad. But mm. one thing I will say about this guy is he has a remarkable knack for seemingly getting them back on the ground earlier. Yeah. Now, Jamie Elliott. I'd kind of almost put a line through him until after the bye. He's back and we're a completely different team mm. when he's in, in the side. Nathan Murphy, who has just perennially been injured, is back and playing brilliant football, showing us what he showed us last year when he backed into that pack mm. courageously like Jonathan Brown. Um, Ash Johnson is back running and he's being integrated back into the team now. Looks like he'll play. So Can't wait to see him. So he's actually like this guy. He's, he's good at getting them back, and I think mm. that's his one thing. Injuries will always happen, but being able to, you know, kind of um, beat the timeline didn't didn't happen with roughhead complications. I think Cox with his finger. Well, the trick is didn't miss a game. Trick is with Wade is that his injury reports go for so long that by the time <laughs> he's done with them, they're halfway recovered, and it seems it shortens the kind of. There, there's just something I, I've said this on socials, but there's just something about seeing a guy. <laughs> That looks like every dude at the pub who's had about six beers and he's sort of a bit glassy-eyed and sort of semi-falling off his seat and a little bit incoherent, being in charge of our high-performance health and fitness department, it's it's just not, again, it really fits the Collingwood of 2022 and the Craig McRae because it's a very non-Collingwood appointment. Like you would expect someone like that Irish dude with like the ripped six-pack, like, you know, chiseled jaw. Butterfin, you know, like broccoli salad at lunch. Tommy, Tommy Hafey, you know, hasn't touched a drink in his life. I reckon the <laughs> yeah. barista's half cut every time he does one of those 
um, Irish coffee purports. And it just it just goes to show, like it's it's just you don't you don't have to be mm. you don't have to be the quarterback. You don't no. have to be this chiseled, bronzed, you know, behemoth to know shit about injury and healing and healthy eating. I mean, yeah. I love those injury reports <laughs> because in the back there's like a box of porridge or something. Like you can literally see his breakfast. <laughs> and um, yeah, he's just it's just a, again a magical appointment. He had a cup. I was like, I was like, I thought this was funny, but in the last injury report, he had like the Rabbitohs cup, oh, so yeah. he must. He came he, from, I think he, he came, came from, from the yeah. came from the Rabbitohs, right? So he's just repping the NRL Rabbitohs. I cup thought he was going to get us fully jacked, like huge, you know, massive, no neck team in like no. six months, just to buck the trend in the, in the world's most aerobic running game. No, all right. Well, that, well that's um, that's a great game in a movie. We could talk about the Carlton game. All pod, but we won't because we need to move on because there's other pressing matters. Uh, we're going to dive straight into our segment, hard yes and hard no. Alex, I'm going to continually, I'm going to get you to continue doing the heavy lifting on this one and uh, start us off with your hard yes. All right. So we've mentioned that, you know, it's great to bring that kind of blockbuster vibe back to the G mm. and basically show up all other candidates for like, you know, those those big games, even though we're not on. Broadway, so to speak. It's this, it's the late afternoon Sunday game. It reminds me of, you know, the card game Shithead? <laughs> no, I've never heard of this. Yeah, no. Well, in Shithead, I won't go through the rules, um, mm. but if you win the last, if you lose the last hand, you end up for the next hand having to give the winner your two best cards. So you start with a disadvantage. Um, and then if you happen to beat the winner um, and make them the Shithead, you know, it just feels fantastic because you've come from handi- a handicap position. And it feels like mm. that with the Sunday game. Like, we've been dealt the shitty fixture. Mm. We're off Broadway because we had a bad season last year. But then to actually bring the game that mm. reignites the AFL as a league and that mm. gets people's like blood pumping again, I think is a fantastic hard yes. But more specifically, I'm going to call out um, our main man, Jeff Brown, for I reckon what might have not might might have kind of flown under the radar a bit, but him coming onto the ground after the game to see McRae, um, and a kind of very visible show of of barracking for the club to be there, you know, in the thick of it straight after the siren. And very, very much an Eddie Maguire type move. And we're seeing mm. that Brown, you know, we have the blockbuster game, we nail it, we win, you know, it's 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 a, it's an upset, it's it's a nail biter, and we get this kind of Eddie Maguire-esque show business personality starting to blossom out of Brown as he comes strides onto the turf to celebrate. Mm. So good to see. Well, I can tell you he was definitely a few wines deep when he did that because it kind of dovetails nicely into into the hard no. And I did have the good uh, fortune of um, watching the Carlton game from the luxury confines of the president's club function now it's mm. not the first time that we've we've stepped inside the president's club uh but it was the first time that piehard had been there as a guest of the club now we were invited by uh, a member of the uh do better panel just to be um, clear you were invited i, I oh yeah you, you weren't i invited didn't, didn't get a, just didn't get it again and paula curie has not place. made good his promise yet i i thought of you because on our table and it was right next to, you know, it was right next to Jeff Brown's table. Mm. Um, there was four vacant spots with four scallops on it. 
as I arrived and the scallops <laughs> sat there dormant for about two hours. No one turned up. So I was thinking Just I actually aging. probably could have got you into that one. Mm. But look, my, the hard, my hard no for this week is related to the President's Club function that I attended. And okay. the hard no, Alex, is me, Damien oh. Miller. Okay. Now, I have at times been very fiercely critical of the Collingwood Football Club, especially over the last 12, 24 months. Mm. Um, I have approached a couple of, of their initiatives with uh, suspicion, um, maybe not uh, thinking that, you know, real progress was being made within that club. However, I had the fortune of sitting in uh, at the President's Club. It was, of course, uh, the Sir Doug- Douglas Nichols round or it was, you know, our. I think that's now kind of like, uh, extended over two rounds, so every yeah. team can can wear the jumper during a home game. So we had Arnie Dye um, give the welcome to country at the function before she went out and did it on the ground. Um, we had Jody Sizer get up and, and talk for about twenty five minutes. I got to meet a couple of people from the distinguished panel, um, a big contingent of indigenous past indigenous players from the club were in attendance, mm. and I can tell you from chatting to a few people in the room. Uh, the consensus is that um, there is a genuine willingness within the four walls of the Collingwood Football Club to right the wrongs of the path uh, of the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, an acknowledgement, of course, that it was never going to be easy, and it never has been easy. But there's a real sense of commitment with that particular group of people, mm-hmm. and just the sheer caliber of of intelligence and experience was brought to the table. I, I, speaking of this game, shithead, I was sitting at the table feeling a bit like a shithead at one point because it was like, who was I to question, you know, the methods and the um, intentions of this football club? Mm. And in many ways, the Collingwood Football Club is the canary in the coal mine when it comes to the Do Better report and and um, the exploration into its into its dark past and, and, the, and its attempt to right wrongs. It was never, ever going to be pretty. It was never, ever going to be perfect. Mm. It's still not perfect. But um, just hearing a couple of those people speak, uh, I left certainly drunk but also feeling like the club was definitely on the right track and and heading in the right direction. So maybe I was a little bit too tough and brutal at at different points and stages and – yeah, it was it was interesting to get that read from the room, and um, yeah, some really serious people. Sounds like he had a real up. chance for some deep self reflection there, Damo. But how many crown lagers did you have? Lost track. Um, <laughs> I lost track at I think around half time. The third quarter, to be honest, was a blur. Right, well, let, actually... let, let's start from the start. So, hmm. for people that haven't been to the President's Club, um, and you know, on this occasion. That's including me because I wasn't invited, but that's okay. But um, I'd like to experience it vicariously. So take us into the room. You arrive. Was Chris Tarrant checking you off the, the guest list? <laughs> no, but Tarrant was there in a in a work capacity. So Tarrant must have some kind of corporate gig at the club. But no, oh, I was, I was, I was, you, you're greeted. You're greeted by um, a throng of sort of well dressed, immaculately immaculate looking um sort of club corporate personnel you whisked directly to your seat and sit what down you, with the seat like what you because i know that with these presidents club some tables a lot of tables are like specific sponsor tables or whatever like what table were you on 
I was on table fifteen, so I'm not sure what that was. No, this was this was a Colling- this was a Collingwood table with the um, expert panel. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> that's a, that's a that was a mistake. But, yeah, that was a mistake. <laughs> I'll take that one. Really but- building up the first the entree. So the President's Club is um, it's a great it's a great opportunity to mm. pay a shit ton of money. But listen to Jeff Brown give an address. Mm. Listen to um, Brian Taylor, MC, in his very loud, caustic, bombastic way. Oh, uh, there's always a, there's always a couple of speakers. This one was really this one was kind of a step above from the other presidents' clubs functions I've been to in the past. I've been to one with Eddie McGuire. Mm. This was the first time I'd heard Jeff Brown speak. He's a very laconic um, public speaker between um, two fans. And it was really, it was really interesting. The um, the this is my review of the Presidents Club, by the way. So, the um, head of Latrobe Financial mm. uh, was in attendance. Uh, Jeff Brown gifted him a bottle of Grange Penfold's Grange, which yep. he then proceeded to uncork at the table and start pouring. Hang I didn't on, get- Jeff Jeff Brown uncorked it, or the. No, the the Latrobe financial guy just sort of uncorked it and started. Do you think drinking. that's protocol? Is that you know, if you get gifted something before lunch at a club function, you're obliged to open it for the table? I thought it was a sick move. I thought it was an absolute boss move, and I'm going to do that. <laughs> I hope it wasn't setting. like a t- 2019 grain. I didn't because that's I, probably wasted. But I did take a, I did take a photo, but yeah, there was there was no salary. Oh yeah, you sent me this, a photo. Um, I was going to see if I can see the year. Because um, you didn't get in there and get a little little snifter for yourself, did you? No, I didn't. I was gonna I was gonna see if there's any um, anything remaining in the bottle, but I didn't. I didn't go that deep. Here we go. I've got it up here. So oh, it's just Grange Hermit. Grange has this really lovely old school design where it's got these heaps of really small red type. And that pen folds kind of tradition. Can't see jack shit, but um. What was the food and beverage service like, Demo? The food was okay. It was mm. your um, it was your standard uh, lamb and chicken, um, you know, what do you call it? Mixed, no, you know, like right, alternate, um, alternate, kind alternate, of. alternate, alternate, alternate. Um, so yeah, that was that was okay. I mean, you the got booze, the lamb or the chicken? I got the lamb. Yeah, okay, yeah, probably manly. Yeah, yeah it was, wasn't, wasn't great. It wasn't wasn't great. Um, but uh, yeah, the booze situation is great. You get tickets. You're on level one out, out there. It's it's on the wing. It's 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 primo. But everyone was there. The liquor was there. Uh, well, that's Holgate. one of the best things, isn't it? Is that you get to walk out like five, ten meters to your seat, and presumably come back in a half time for party pies. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to know which? Because um, I was I, I did go back in at half time to have some party pies. Do you want to know which power broker at the Collingwood Football Club came up to me and said, "I might pinch one of your party pies if that's okay." And I said, "Go for it. No worries." Well, it wasn't Weisslitz who would be concerned with possible pork gristle in the uh, well, pastry. <laughs> Weisslitz was there. He was in the house. Oh, was he? No, it wasn't um, Weisslitz. Power broker um, hit me. Top dog Jeff Brown. Oh, he he stole one of your party pies. Pinch one of my party pies. Um, <laughs> the, but, guy, yeah, the, guy, was, the guy could have anything. And he's got, he's resorted to pinching party pies. But did you get do you have any conversations with any other, you know, club luminaries from the past or present? Or you just kind of like lurk around the edges like creepily as a as a pie hard undercover reporter? 
No, no, no. I had some good chats. I, I spent the entire third quarter chatting to the uh, Andy and the team from Nike. Uh huh. Um, gave them some feedback. Yeah, I was going to um, say, you, you, all you got to do is play that episode where you absolutely <laughs> excoriated them. No, no, no. No, look, I, I stand by it, but I but just chatting to the team, you know, it's clear that they had a lot of stuff ready to do, ready to go for the Collingwood Football Club that was very quickly rescinded um, when a couple of incidents sort of rolled out, namely the Heredia situation. Okay. The issue, the issue with Jordan Degoe and, of course, the... Um, the the continued uh, impact of the do better report. So again, um, a you little know, bit of context helps. You've been schmoozed over. You've been like turned. I can Converted, tell. Like, haven't I? They yeah. get a couple. This is what presidents clubs are for. They, <laughs> this is they, what it does, they, doesn't it? They yeah. give you a couple of crown lagers. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a bottle of twenty five dollar. Mm. You know, Barossa Shiraz. Wolf Blast, mm. I'm assuming. And mm. you just kind of you, you enjoy the company. You see some big names. You know, BT makes some gags. You start feeling good about the club and yourself. That's the whole idea. It's a PR thing. So you've definitely had the wool pull over your eyes in terms of this kind of nostalgic, dreamy look you've returned from the club with. I was just, I was just happy that Robbie Armit was there. Like big sleep. <laughs> Robbie Armit right? was there. As a guest. Chris, e- Chris Egan, um, Daniel Wells. Um, of course. So that obviously Wally, Wally Lovett had a good blokes. chat. Had a good chat to Wally Lovett, um, Collingwood's first, or one of Collingwood's first Indigenous players on the list. No Leon. No Leon. No, no Leon. Leon. But I'm confident. I'm confident. Uh, mark my words with the people that are um, in charge of the club that you know eventually we'll see Leon return. I have no doubt. No question. All right. So just one more. You mentioned well, okay. at the top that you know you have had. Uh, you felt like you've probably judged the club too harshly from outside, and now you've been given this exclusive inner sanctum access, and you've had some mm. deep conversations. Was there anything in particular that you learned that gave you confidence that you know the club is actually on the right track that people might not know about? Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of things. I, I think, I think um, one of the most important things to understand about the Collingwood Football Club and why it's so important to, um, you know, society as a whole and to sponsors and to players and to supporters is because it's not about us. We're, we're done. We're, we're the last of an ancient breed. It's all about the youth, right? And Collingwood has, if you think of it like a database, Collingwood has the most amazing group of committed and f- loyal and passionate i would say like 14 to 24 year old supporters mm. and when you talk about things like um changes in society around racism and um you know the way we you know celebrate and approach um you know the game and, and sport in general it's re- that the youth are the ones they're the they're the torch they're the ones bringing it forward that's mm-hmm. why they're so important and um it really hammered home to me that Collingwood has you know as one of the biggest clubs in the AFL with one of the loudest voices and um you know in the in the news constantly you know people are singing the praises we're on all the footy shows we have a there's a huge opportunity with that group to um to drive the club forward and it very much is a modern club. It's mm. a very different club to what it was two or three years ago. Uh, it's unrecognizable in parts. 
And I think, yeah, that, that was a, uh, the most important takeout for me was the real value and importance with this club is the young supporter base and group that's coming through because they are going to, um, they're going to shape this club not only now and in the immediate future, but but moving forward. So that's very powerful. The club is very aware of it. That's where a lot of this change is going to come from. There's going to be a lot of educating more senior supporters like our parents, mm. you know, and and um, supporters, you know, over the age of 30, um, which is welcome and important and uh, the club are well aware of it. So it was a lasting impression. That and the uh, lamb being slightly undercooked. Undercooked. Well, that's better than the usual fare. It's usually they burn the back off it because they're worried about some kind of salmonella break like happened mm. when golden that, staff uh, that was at the uh was that at the essendon one yeah was it the rabbit to rabbit to gene yeah yeah but i didn't eat salmon mousse and then yeah. the, the, also there was that brawl in the cubicles remember the brawl in the cubicles at the essendon yeah, so thing? And that, that was that was, was the any tension was- any tension at the collingwood one because um presumably they have guests from carlton from the uh, the other side at at the lunch right mm. yes yeah they had the they had the um, Leo Sayer, whatever his name is, the president of the Carlton Football Club. <laughs> Leo Sayer. Oh, what's you his name? Me feel like <laughs> Tom, so- Tom Sawyer. Uh, Dylan Elcott, um, Carlton supporter, was there. Um, some dude from MasterChef. They, you know, they bring them all out. I mean, that's a part of the pre- uh, President's Club as well. Because if you go there as a fan and you see all those people, you go, "Oh, that's great! I'm going to go again." So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a hook to kind of pull you in. And are um, people uh, able to buy? Uh, is the every average Collingwood Joe Blow able to buy a ticket to the Presidents Club? I think so. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. What, Maybe. what you reckon? It's you reckon it's no, no, no. If you got the money, uh, you got the cash. I think you can. You're buy a table. And can I just say there's some? Maybe some you can buy a table. Like two grand. There's a, yeah, no, 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 no. It's like it's like 550, mate. You can go in there and you can get just sat on a table. It's not that hard. They're not that selective. And I can tell you what, at around three-quarter time, there was some really strict enforcing of um, uh, responsible service of alcohol. It was capped to two drinks per person because there were some really rowdy tables in, the, in there and uh, it was... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it becomes quite the party. Uh, the Chris Tarrant's table after three quarter time. No, Tarrant was. Oh, I saw Ben Johnson as well. I should say, friend of the pod, Ben Johnson. He was rolling. Oh, yeah. do you have a do you have a word? Ben Johnson would be great in your table, wouldn't he? No, I said hello. What a disarming. I mean, we know mm. you, if you haven't heard. I know there's a lot of new listeners that have jumped on Pie Hard in the last twelve months. If you haven't heard our first ever interview, couldn't tell you what episode it is, but it's the Ben Johnson episode. Check it out. Um, it's kind of the moment we knew that Pie Hard was going to succeed and be a thing was when we somehow nailed Ben Johnson on the within the vague recesses of uh, LinkedIn, I think it was, mm. Um, mm. and we managed to rope him on. I don't think he knew what who we were, what we were doing, and he gave us one of the most disarmingly honest interviews we've ever had. Mm. Yeah, it was fantastic too, and we we landed a few punches early, and he laughed. So I think we we took a little bit of confidence from that one. Um, but yeah, that was a great interview. Check it out. Well, that's great. Dan. I, I I did very much enjoy vicariously coming to the club. No, hopefully next time I do get a get an invite, Paul. Paul, I'm gonna. I got your um, I've got your number here, Paul Licker, and um, I'm just biding my time. I want to make sure that when I do request a seat at the Presidents Club, that a it's at a at a shitty enough game that you're forced to say yes. <laughs> and- <laughs> I'm I'm actually back there for the trip tyke. 
I'm back there for the trip tight game in two weeks. Trip titch. Trip titch. I'm back for the trip titch game. Uh, well, President's Club well, round, say, round I two. I don't want to say that there's like a mm. class divide coming between yeah, us, Demo, but I will be lurking yeah, in the foyer, waiting for you to um, usher me in through slate of hand if, under your jacket um, past Chris Tarrant Bouncer. If you sit down, if you sit on the lower level, on ground level, directly under the President's Club, I'm pretty sure I could just grab a couple of sausage rolls, maybe some party pies, throw them over the edge. I will <laughs> Just I will, open I'll, my gullet like a pelican. I will, I will finish my, I will finish my um, absorbing and very interesting review of the President's Club by saying, upon leaving the President's Club, mm. uh, very jubilant and uh, very happy, uh, I was handed a Latrobe Financial branded umbrella. Oh, now, nice. If you're wondering what I'm going to do with this umbrella, it's going to be a Pie Hard ex- exclusive giveaway. Where we are going to give away a Latrobe finan- a blue Latrobe financial umbrella. It's going to be a pie hard competition. Keep keep your eyes locked onto our socials, and I can tell you what that's going to be one very special uh, competition. I tell you what, Demo. I, I hope that that umbrella makes it worthwhile. Your five hundred and fifty bucks. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit more because we covered someone's seats. That's about six seventy this one, but uh, tax deductible, no doubt. Okay, and in some breaking news, I wasn't sure if you're aware of this, Alex, but uh, at the time of recording, it is the mid-season draft. Mm, okay, yeah, and I haven't seen anything we, on this. What's going on? No, that's good. Well, I can confirm that Collingwood mm. has selected a young South Aussie, a young mm. country kid from South Australia, good, who's been good. playing in the Sandful. Horn Francis. A mid, no, no, Horn Francis, Didn't a know midfielder he was called Josh. Carmichael. Now he looks really good. Hang on, he's uh, an eight-foot midfielder because that's kind of what we need, like a midfielder who's actually mm-hmm. going to be a key position player. I knew you'd say that. No, he's only one hundred eighty-nine centimeters, so he's that's, not even a tall midfielder. It's very difficult but, to get me excited about an SA NFL <laughs> midfielder. He's diamond dozen, but maybe I'm, no. I think no. I I, I completely disagree. This oh, I don't know anything red- about him. Tell me. This kid looks ready to play. Okay. He is 22 years old. He has been playing uh, Sample this year. He's from the country. He's supposedly a really good kick, good tank. He looks like a footballer. He looks like a professional footballer. And I will say that Collingwood has been really big on diving into the Sample uh, recently. Bo McCreary, yeah. um, Poulter. Must be quite a mature Ash, competition. Ash Johnson. There. Yeah, they kind of escaped that whole COVID thing, didn't they? But it is a, you know, it's boys playing against men. And we love that. It just really steals them for AFL football. Um, Hang on, what's the guy's name? Josh Carmichael. Okay. Uh, right, good let's... name. Good, good, strong name, Carmichael. He's he's one eighty nine centimeters. He's eighty eight kilograms. You'll like this. The the AFL dude who reads out the draft. I don't know, he's like paid by the AFL, he's like a reporter, has labelled this kid the steal of the draft and was shocked that he had slipped to pick number nine, which was at Collingwood's. Now, the reason he picked, he slipped to pick number nine, it's all about identifying needs and clearly 
mm. big tall defenders and big tall forwards were high on the agenda for most clubs. Yeah, which it alas, should have been for us. Alas, but we didn't get our boy because there was none left. So oh, we none took, left. Okay. We took one. Of, we took one of the best midfielders, and we've actually got a clip of none other than the bearded Obi Wan Kenobi, Derek Hine, um, just talking about this kid. So we might play it now. Decker, we just picked up Josh Carmichael in the mid-season draft from West Adelaide. Can you tell us a bit about him? Yeah, Josh is a 191 inside mid um, with uh, an elite aerobic capacity. Um, his his running capacity is not. Not dissimilar to a sort of an Andrew Gaffspo, I suppose, the way that he covers the ground and the amount of ground he covers. He's um, he's new to the Sanford system. He's only played six or seven games, of which one of those was the um, the state game against Western Australia. So, you know, we we really felt that um, going into the draft, we had five names on a board, um, a mixture of talls and and mids and. Um, and we're really fortunate to have um, Josh there. So we're really excited about what he can do and how he can develop into our midside, into our midfield mix. Cal Toomey reckons of, of the crop picked up tonight, he's probably going to be one of the ones that um, might make his debut first. Um, yeah, potentially. He's, you know, it's a pretty big comment from Cal, but, um, you know, I think that he's proven at a sample level that he's more than capable of matching it against um, AFL listed um, teams like EG um, with um, Adelaide and also um, Port Adelaide. He's he's averaging around 27, 28 positions against both of those teams. So one would suggest that if he was on either one of those clubs list, he, he may well have already played senior football now. But look, you know, he's got to come in. He's got to... He's got to um, apply to our system the way that the coaches want him to play and, and knowing the character of Josh in the work that we've done with him, we're, we're really confident that he's going to do that. Prior mid-season drafts have picked up Noble, Begg and Ash Johnson. Um, pretty good selections. Um, hopefully Josh can follow in uh, their footsteps. Yeah, well, that's the plan. Um, you know, I, I suppose with the selection, you know, as with you know, with John and, and Ash and, and Aiden, we don't see this as a, a, a short-term selection. We see it as a an 18-month, you know, another six months this year. And then obviously we've got the the 2023 season. So it's an opportunity for, for him to work into our system. He's had very little exposure to an AFL, sorry, to an elite system. So, um, you know, we're, we're really confident that when he comes in that he'll assimilate into the group really quickly. And, um, you know, the rest will look after itself one way or the other. So hopefully you'll be over here tomorrow and, you know, we can go from there. Thanks, Deco. What on, on the selection tonight? Thank you. Damo, blasphemy. Has De- Derek Hines somehow escaped the blowtorch that, that perhaps should have come his way after all of the trade, you know, rubbish fire sale mm. you know Ned, Ned Guy obviously copped it mm. looking at him now we, we've recruited a midfielder it's disappointing it's a disappointing recruit <laughs> uh, we want a big bloke didn't get one well to answer to answer your question yes he has escaped the blowtorch he's been there a long time he's built mm. you know a, a pretty impressive list what 2010 2011 um, there's been some dark dark uh what would you call it? Drafts 
since then with only a couple of kind of highlights. So, yeah, I'd say under the new um, under the new kind of guise of, of Graham Wright and mm. Craig McRae, you know, everyone has an expiry date at that football club and I'm not saying his time is up, but, yeah, I definitely think he's escaped some scrutiny. I'll tell you what I like about this Josh Carmichael, though. What? We always start. We always start with a young kids Instagram. That's where we go. We do uh, a deep look, dive. Good deep dive. And uh, one thing that Decker Hine has done well with his appointment, he has recruited an Adelaide boy who supports Richmond. And and he's wearing uh, a, he's wearing an Essendon red on black sash in his photo, which is not. Oh, that's that's West Adelaide. Inspiring. That's West Adelaide. So that's a Sandville club. But like we've said on this podcast many many times, we love when we drag a young twenty two year old kid interstate mm. um, uh, to play for a team that he probably despises. Yeah. And it just builds a little bit of uh, mental strength and fortitude that will see him um, do well. And don't worry, don't, don't, don't worry at all. Within three months with this system that Craig McRae's got going on, he'll be one of the lads, one of the boys. And a, uh, I, I think he'll be quite good in this team. I think, you know, you can never have enough midfielders, good quality midfielders. Injuries might happen. You might yeah. get an opportunity sooner rather than later. Look, look at you the might Bulldogs. get the good fortune get- of watching him in the VFL at Victoria Park, downing a few cans, and, and I'm quite excited. It doesn't Yeah, it doesn't fix our issues at either end of the uh, oval, but um, welcome to Collingwood, Josh. Welcome to Pie Hard. Just look at the Bulldogs. You get 38-grade midfielders. Really helps you out. Um, <laughs> but one one thing he said was interesting. What do you what do you make of this? Knowing the character of Josh from the work that we've done with him, I mean it's it's a dark art recruitment. Like what yeah. work? What, what what work do they do with him? Is it yeah. just is it flying over there and sitting having tea and scones with Josh and his folks? Um, is it trolling his Instagram page and <laughs> making sure he's not going to get cancelled <laughs> after one month of calling? You know, like. What work? I mean, Poli- just looked. He's played six games at the Sandfall. Six games. I mean, <laughs> the guys. He must be a bloody athlete because he's inexperienced. Hopefully, it's a police and a working with children check because I think that's the that's the base minimum we need to get we get covered off just to make sure this guy's kosher. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happens behind the scenes. Maybe we should do a deep dive on Pie Heart, actually, what goes into recruitment. Um, are they over there interviewing the families? Have mm. they spoken to him via Zoom? Have they spoken to ex-girlfriends, ex-teachers? Um, you know, We'd love to get lovers. Derek. Derek on Pie Heart would be a good interview. Because oh, I'd be a laugh. They have yeah, a, a huge influence on, obviously, our on-field success. And as you said, he has managed to put together some good lists in his time. Um, and I will say that when we do have a good side, we do tend to make prelims at least. So yeah. some clubs are far, far, far more disappointing, which is great to see uh, over a long period of time. But, um, yeah, Derek Hine, he's, he's pulled one out of the hat. You're another midfielder. Um, let's just keep on cramming him in. The more midfielders, the better because God knows, like, you know, we basically have uh, a half-size key position forward. Um, you know, we're playing a Cairns Taipans point guard in a key back position <laughs> until recently. So um, don't uh, worry about the tall guys. Don't worry about them. Let's just go with those, um, you know, squat, mid-sized midfielders, dime a dozen, <laughs> be like the Bulldogs, <laughs> totally impotent at both ends. We've been – this is a this is the yin and the yang um, episode of Pie Heart, isn't it? I've I've completely – I'm, I'm all in. I'm <laughs> bullish on the Collingwood Football I'm Club. I'm all in on Listen, Listen to this guy over here. Listen to this guy over here, the anti-midfielder, 
anti Derek Hine. No, I, I think uh, I've drunk the Kool Aid. You've I drunk the kid, President's Club. This, this Crown kid Lago is, is what you've drunk the Grange. Could be the could be the Grange Damien. speaking. Could be the Grange speaking, but I think this kid is going to be an absolute star for the Collingwood Football Club. Someone just someone has goals. taken you aside into the cubicle and twisted <laughs> your arm and said, "Like, listen, pie hard, chicken wing. Are you pie or hard? Because if you say one mm. more bad thing about the club, we're going to come to your house in trench coat and send in old um, what's his name, trench coat, Christina." Ho- Christina Holgate. Yeah, well, okay. it, it was a, it was a very firm it was a very firm handshake, but message received. Loud <laughs> well, I thought you were going to go somewhere else. Okay, no. Um, did I tell you? Did I tell you? Frydenberg was there and got like a unanimous oh, really? sort of round round of applause. I thought there'd be like booze, and it was like no. He was like, "What you know, did so they? Um, what, how? What was his reaction to my banner? My banner was um, <laughs> yeah. about oh, what the was t- your banner? Which one? You you pitched five. Yeah, it was about the Liberals and the Teals. The, oh, the Teals. The, te- yeah, sure. oh, the Blues okay. going to Teal. And, geez, that's a bit close to home for old Josh. Is he a Carlton, yeah. is he a Carlton man? or? What? Yeah, he's a Carlton guy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's a Carlton guy. Good riddance, Keel. He was drinking the, the Grange. All right, I think that's it for the docket uh, for this week. Shout out to Nathan Murphy. Um, <laughs> well, Nathan, thing, right? We've talked about, like, all these past stars, Indigenous players, Christina Holgate, Frydenberg. Jeff Brown, you go back to Nathan Murphy. He's played one good oh, game just, in his career. I, I, was just well, I, really, like. I was just really happy with that game and I think, um, you know. He's got shades good. of he's got shades of Damian Miller at the Alexander Rebels, does he not? Mm, yeah, he does. He not does. that I ever yeah. saw you uh, play on Josh Fraser in that famous mm, fixture mm. in 1998, but I believe that you'd be a Nathan Murphy sort. Brave, um, slightly incompetent by foot, mm. um, but not- a real team man. Not very tanned, yeah, 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 yeah. Often, often injured, but yeah, no. I think, um, what is it, Murph, Murphy the Surfy? I think he's 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 kind of solidified his his position in the back um, six. And also, we should do a special shout out to Mason Cox, who's just launched his own podcast. Yeah, um, he got in touch with us earlier in the week just for some tips. Uh, so we sent a couple his way. But good luck, Mason, with your new show. We will be listening. Um and we will we're we're tit for tat. We, mm. we will we, we were introduced to Mason about three years ago by a friend who worked at Beats by Dre and um he will he's very he's taken a keen interest in Pie Hard and we will get him on the pod eventually it'll probably have to be when he retires because that's really when all Collingwood players can actually speak their mind um, unsanctioned. Mm. Okay, guys, if you like listening to Pie Hard, if you like what we're serving up every week, make sure you are following us. Uh, and engaging with us on socials at Pie Hard Podcast. If you want to hear us tackle a subject, if you want us to go where no other pod will go, if you want us to speak to a certain Collingwood superstar, let us know. Um, we value your feedback and we'll do our best to make it happen. Uh, any final closing thoughts? If we get the trip, Titch, we're going for drinks at the NGV. Okay, done. Followed by dinner at the drum. All right? Done. Lock it in. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Everyone, thanks for listening. This at 23,500,000 pounds. All done for the bacon. Sold at 23,500,000. It's pie hard.